don't you come up? Most of you, if not all of you, um, know Lori. Uh, Lori came to redemption in May of 2013, so she's coming up on three years of being here. She has led our women's ministry, she's led our missions ministry, she's led multiple trips to Guatemala. She is also on track to be ordained to the diaconate, uh, probably within the next six months. Um, we're, we're close. Um, and she is doing her master's degree in Christian leadership at Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, we are getting the privilege this morning. Um, this will be Lori's first time to preach in front of a church. So we have cards to pass around for evaluations. <laughs> and please do it while she's preaching. It'll really... We are excited that she is getting an opportunity and that you all get to be a part of it. Um, Lori, let's pray for you. Thank you. Father, thank you for bringing Lori to redemption, for the ways that she has blessed and guided parts of this church, for the many lives that she has touched and will continue to touch. Thank you especially for her heart for missions, for those who are hurting the poor, the sick, uh, the place that it just is so much a part of who she is. Um, to become a deacon makes so much sense for Lori. Father, this morning, will you anoint her? Use her to share your word with us and give us hearts and minds that are open to it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jason. It was July 11, 2015, just last summer, and our team had landed in Guatemala, and we were very happily and joyfully unpacking our supplies and donations and getting ready to repack them for our trip the next day. Dr. Tito was always right in the middle of this time. He was our leader. He was the one that connected the Guatemalan team and the U.S. team. He's the one that made sure we stayed on task and didn't get caught up in our visiting. But this year was different. He wasn't there. And so I went and looked for him. I found him upstairs in his office, sitting behind his desk. And I could tell he was worried. There was something on his mind. And he shared with me that his wife, Brenda, had been having severe headaches and other symptoms. And the doctors really couldn't tell what was going on. And they recommended that she rest and have less stress in her life. He was getting ready to take off with a team. So he was worried for his wife. Um, this is a man I'd known over 10 years the man walks with God. He knows Christ. He trusts Christ in all these situations. He looks to Christ to help him in his ministry. He left a career to form a mission, to go out into the remote areas of Guatemala and take care of his own people. He trusts Christ with all these gringos that come to try to help. Um, he's an amazing person, but he was worried. Well, the next day, we piled into our trucks, drove the five or six hours, to our destination, but as soon as we were there, he dropped us off and flew back to the city. He had gotten word that Brenda had collapsed and was rushed to the hospital. She had an inoperable, massive brain tumor. They were beginning a hard time. This was a dark time. How do you trust Christ when you see your world crumbling around you, when the hypothetical becomes the personal? 
How do you trust Christ in the dark times? Would you open your Bibles with me? John 1. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Some of our guys will get your Bible. We'll to you. Or you may have an electronic device that works too. Here, guys, we've got some people that would like Bibles. That would be nice. We're going to start with John 1.1 1, 1 and read through verse 5. Y'all follow along with me while I read out loud. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Would you pray with me? Father, I just bring this before you today. Lord, I ask you to settle my heart, settle my mind. Um, help me to present your word just as you would have it presented. Lord, I just thank you for all these people that have gathered together today to hear your word, to worship you, and to be a part of fellowship. Lord, I just ask your blessing over this time for us today. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. amen. John was writing in a dark time. He knew what it was like to live in a hard time. He was witnessing his comrades, his fellow disciples, being martyred for their faith. Persecution was on the rise. This was the John that walked with Jesus on earth. This was the disciple that Jesus loved. He sat with Jesus at the Last Supper. He's the disciple who laid his head on Jesus' chest. He stood at the foot of the cross with Mary, Jesus' mother, and received her as his own at Christ's request. John knew a dark time. He knew a hard time. But he also knew Christ. And he had a message to give. And he wanted this message to be heard by everyone. Today we're going to look at three reasons why you can trust Christ. Not only in your dark times, but in all your times. We're going to start with the first two verses in John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The first reason you can trust Christ is he is eternal. He was in the beginning. What does that mean? The beginning happened and he was there. He was already there when the beginning happened. He will be there when the end happened. He is eternal God. We need to have something eternal to trust in our lives, right? Something we can grab hold of and hang on to. We put our trust in so many things that are temporary. They're finite. They crumble. They fall. A really good example. Y'all thought I just brought my cell phone up here in case I got a call. No, it's technology. Do we not trust these things? Do we not have, like, variations of them? I've got the little one, the medium-sized one, and the great big one. In case one goes out, I've got another one. I, I put this on the back, not this one, but the one before it. I'm in generations of them now. On the back of my car, and I drove to Starbucks. It didn't last. I had to go get my iPad and use Find My Phone to find my phone in the gutter where it was smashed to pieces. It was done. And I had a little panic attack until I realized I could drive straight to the Sprint store and get another one right there. Done. Trust right here. We trust things that we know are finite. We trust things that we know will crumble. We do it all the time. Our houses, our cars, our medical insurance. We don't even want to talk about it. 
Things will crumble in this life, and we can't trust that. But there is one who we can trust, and he is eternal. In the beginning, he was. He was in the beginning with God. He was God. He was in the beginning with God. Eternal God can be trusted in your dark times, in all your times. The second reason we can trust God is he's our creator. He is the creator. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's repetitious. When God repeats himself, he wants us to pay attention. He's repeating himself here in these first three verses. All things were made through him. That means everything. Creation is made through him. There is nothing that we can see that he doesn't have his fingerprints on. Organic, inorganic, whatever. It was created through Christ. When we confront creation, we are confronting Christ. When I was at A&M, Texas A&M. See, I knew it. Okay, there we go. I'm at home. When I was at A&M, I was in a science lab. And our science lab, this was in the dark ages, but they still had electricity. They had microscopes. We got to go back down into the basement and look through the electron microscope in the science department. Wow, it was fascinating. Magnified by thousands. And what we saw was absolute perfection. Things you can't see, you can't even know you don't know that you don't know that they're, they're there. I mean, you're like, well, what is that? Oh, it's part of a leaf. No, it's not. It's a skyscraper. They're so perfect in their uniformity and their construction. Any architect would be proud just to design that. And they fit together perfectly to create the known world. Everything you see is made up of something that God created, Christ created. All things were made through him. That means he also created you. How can we trust Christ? Because he knows us. He knows you. He knows every single cell in your body. He knows your spirit. He knows what hurts you. He knows what makes you happy. He knows the things inside of you that are the dark places. He knows why you're sad or why you're glad he knows you we can trust that we can trust the one who created us the third reason we can trust Christ out of this passage is he is the source of all life let's look at the next verse in him was life and the life was the light of men in him was life you know we talk about created life another A&M class the DNA spiral helixes. Y'all remember those? I even remember where I was when I learned this. And I, it's like one of those paradigm shift moments. Sitting in genetics, 301, stadium class, halfway up. There's this really cute guy that kept following me around. His name was Tom. <laughs> but that's another story. I think he was copying off my paper a lot. But we're sitting in genetics 301, and they had the overhead projector. That dates me up on the big screen, and they were showing the spiral helixes of DNA. And they're like, and when they come together, there's life. And nobody knows why. <gasps> That's why we call it the miracle of life. What happens when those two tiny things that you can't see, they join and they become life? Apart 
they're just pieces of organic material. Take them, put them in little petri dishes, and they just degrade over time because they're not alive. But when they join together, you have not only life, you have a life. It's so specific at the moment of inception or conception. You have, I'm going to say six feet tall, sort of. 5'11", <laughs> 10? Okay, you have five foot ten, freckle face, blue eyes, brown hair, type A personality. <laughs> Man, person. Right then in two cells, it's there, it's alive. And we know it's alive because it grows. And nobody can explain that. In him was life. And there's more to life than that biological process. His life was the light of men. That's the spirit that he puts inside of us. At the moment we're conceived, we have that spirit. We know. Have you ever seen like a sunset or a beautiful painting or heard music that moves you? You can feel your spirit connecting to something outside yourself, something that's greater than yourself. And you know that you know there is a creator God. You know that you know. You're attached to your creator. You have the light of life in you. That, that can be trusted. That he is the source of life. And that life is the light of man. That's amazing. But where there is light, what is there? Darkness. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some versions say comprehended it. Either way, light wins. The darkness has not overcome it. Have you ever been in a really dark place? Or maybe your electricity goes out and you go for the candle. That happens around here more often than we'd like. And all you have to do is light the one little candle. And what do you have? Light overcoming darkness. You don't focus on the darkness anymore. You focus on the light. You see the light. Light overcomes darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. When Tom and I were raising our four kids, one of whom is here, um, we would take them on a trip. Every summer we would drive to Colorado and go to a family camp up in the mountains. Horn Creek sits at about 9,000 feet on a mountain called Horn Peak. And this camp was very separate. It was a special place for us. We went for 20 years every year to Horn Creek with our four kids. That's how special it was. There were no newspapers, no TVs, no radios. And at that time, nobody had cell phones except Dad, and he turned it off most of the time. And... <laughs> And it was just precious time. It was time together as a family, time with Christ, um, time with nature, time in creation. And one year we went, Nathan, our oldest child, um, he wasn't a child then. He was a young man. He was a freshman in college. Anybody here have a freshman in college this year? Yeah, I know it. Have you had freshmen in college? You know, those of us who are a little older may have had that in the past. It's a dark time. The freshman year of college is hard. Those guys, they're separated from their families. They have to do stuff they never had to do before, like laundry and dishes. 
and keep a calendar and be on time. And it's hard. And Nathan is melancholy. He's deep, right? I mean, he feels stuff. And he was going through a hard time. I could tell. I was glad he was with us. He was with us at Horn Creek, you know. But one night, he waits till we're all asleep. He gets up, puts it, gets his backpack, puts his camera in his backpack, and he takes off to hike Horn Peak. 13,450 feet, classified as a strenuous nine-mile day hike. Emphasis on the word day. This is the middle of the night. And here he goes, off into the woods. Most of the hike is through the forest. I am literally convinced that all of my mama prayers kicked in that night. He had the biggest angel with the biggest sword walking right beside him, even though he didn't know it. Because those woods are full of bears. I, you, see, you saw bears all the time. And mountain lions. And there's holes, and there's rocks, and there's cliffs. And I can't even think about what all could have happened. This makes me crazy. But he made it to the top of Horn Peak. And it wasn't easy. And it took him all night long. And he scrambled. You come out a tree line, and it's almost a sheer shale slope. And the rocks slip and slide in the daytime when you can see what you're doing. And he crawled up that mountain, and he got to the top, and he sat on a rock, and he waited. And isn't that how life is sometimes? It's dark. It's so dark. We don't know what we're doing. We just know we're in search of something. So we just keep putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other. And sometimes we are on our hands and knees, and we crawl. And we get to a place where we can rest. And we sit, and we wait. And what he saw on the top of that mountain, I think, healed his soul a little bit. He saw, he witnessed light overcoming darkness. Man, when that sun burst over the eastern mountains, the entire valley was flooded with color and texture and life. The very air shimmered with life. And what did he do? He got his camera, because that's the only thing he had. Did I say no water, no jacket, no flashlight, <laughs> no nothing? But he took his camera. And he took this picture. And it's a picture of the sun breaking forth over the mountains. And the air is absolutely alive with the light. The darkness does not overcome it. It can't. It's impossible. It never will overcome the light. The light overcomes the darkness. You can trust Christ. He is eternal God. He is creator God. He is a source of life. He is a source of light. And his light overcomes the darkness. I told you three things. Well, there's one more. And to me, this is the game changer. Fast forward down to John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When we say Christ is eternal God, he's creator God, he's a source of life and light, that puts him up here. 
it's hard maybe to go, how can I trust something that's way up here? That's divine. That's his divinity. That's his 100% God. How can we trust that? How can we reach it? The beautiful thing is we don't have to reach it because he reached us. He came down. He dwelt among us. That word dwelt means tabernacled. He pitched his tent with the human people. I don't know what that DNA thing looked like for him, but it produced a real live baby. A 100% guaranteed bona fide human baby boy. And he grew up as a little, a little guy, just like our little guys do. He ran around with his brothers and sisters. He grew up as a young man. He worked with his dad in the family business. For 30 years, he lived a normal human life. Except maybe it wasn't really normal because he was fully God. But he walked as a normal human in life. We can trust that. We can trust that. And when his heavenly father called him into mission, he withstood temptations you and I can't even imagine straight from the tempter. And then he gathered his team. They went into the countryside where he consistently showed compassion and mercy and grace and shared truth everywhere he went. He reached out to the outcast of society. He sat on the edge of a well in Samaria where no Jew would go with a woman who no Jew would probably talk to who was actually despised by her own people. And he sat there and he shared one of the greatest spiritual truths that have ever been shared with an outcast of society. <sighs> he ate with tax collectors. He was righteously angry at the religiously proud. Jesus wept. We know he cried. We know that he was sad. He mourned for the people. He was, he was a person. He walked as a person. And when God called him for his final walk, he actually sweat blood and asked to be released, but then he obeyed. And when his divinity met his humanity on the cross, darkness was overcome forever, eternally conquered sin. It's done. So we can trust Christ because he's the one that is eternal God. He's creator God. He's the source of life and light. His light overcomes the darkness. And the game changer for me is he is one of us. He walks with us. We have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son of the father full of grace and truth. We know that. And we have that spirit. Now you may say, I get it in my head. But what does it look like? What does trusting Christ look like? I want to give you a few practical things that work for me. And you may have other things that work for you. But for me, this is what works. When you're in a hard place, pray. I know that sounds trite, 
but find set-apart time where you can actually thoughtfully pray to God. Talk to him and give him some space to answer. You know, that means turning off our stuff. We have so much multiple inputs going all the time. Christ has a hard time squeezing in a word. Shut it down and spend some time just being, just talking. Another way is spending time in the Word. And, and I'm a proponent, really, of the electronic Bible. Love it. I've got one on every device I own. Actually, I've got a whole bunch of them. I have a catalog of them, every version there is. And for study, it's awesome. I love it. It's what I take to class. But when I need to be with God, and I'm on this, what happens? Bing, bing, text. Bing, email. Ding. There's another one for Facebook. It has a different sound. But you've got all these different things going on inside your Bible, and you can't focus. So in the dark times, in the times you need to see and hear the word, I love this. This is awesome. Just get it out. Someone told me this week that 20 minutes in God's word relieved anxiety. And it didn't matter where. I think Nancy was telling me this. It could be Leviticus. <laughs> Just try it. Give it a chance. Separate. Give it a chance. And one more thing. And this one I think is really important. As humans, we tend to close down in our dark places and go, I call it hunker down. You know what that is? I'm going to go hunker down, weather the storm, let it pass. Nobody knows. Let people in. We have prayer cards in these little baskets, and we get a fair amount of prayers each week, but I know there's more. I know you guys have hard things. I know it because I do. Man, we're all a mess, and we want to reach out to each other, and we're not going to be perfect when we reach out because we're a mess. You all know me. I'm a mess, but we try we have the light of Christ we want to share. So being vulnerable to that is allowing Christ to work through others on your behalf. It may be hard at first, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. You know, my friend um, Tito and his two boys, Alejandro and Pablo, they are in that dark place. Brenda passed away two weeks ago. Um, I practice this a bunch so I wouldn't cry. Let's see if I can do it. But he walks with Christ. He's in that dark. He's like on the mountain at night in the dark, putting one foot in front of the other. He doesn't know what his new reality looks like. But he's going. He wrote us a thank you note. Um, really, all the friends that he has, and he has a lot through his ministry. Thanks to God for his support to all those who have written prayed, accompanied, and supported us, not only in these days, but in the last six hard months. Friends and family of my heart, we thank you for all the love that God shows us through you. God took my angel from here to have her with him. I miss her so much. It's in the hard times and the dark times that the light of Christ shines the brightest. So this week, um, be the light. 
or receive the light. Either way, you're being a part of God's plan and a part of what it means to trust Christ. Would you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you for these people, Lord. I'm my friends, my family, Lord, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Lord, I thank you um, that you have shown us in your word what it means to trust you, God. And there may be somebody who says, what I, did. I haven't trusted you yet. And God, that's legitimate. That's fine. Lord, we just ask that they allow you in, God. Um, and they, they know what it is to trust you. Father, we just thank you for this day, for this opportunity to gather in freedom. There's so many in the world that don't have this opportunity, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Um, we praise your name. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.